Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. like and love because I like my Skechers but I love my Prada backpack. Bianca Stratford is the most popular girl at Padua High. You're asking me out? I'm down. I've got the 411 and you are not going out and getting jiggy with some boy. I don't care how dope his ride is. Her sister Kat is something else entirely. People perceive you as somewhat tempestuous. Heinous witch is the term used most often. The only thing they have in common... I am the only girl in school who's not dating. Oh, no, you're not. Your sister doesn't date. ...is one simple rule. Okay, you can date when she does. But she's a mutant. What if she never dates? Then you'll never date. Oh, I like that. For Cameron... No one will go out with her. It's a problem. And what about him? I heard he ate a live duck once. So you two are going to help me tame the wild beast? Absolutely. Touchstone Pictures presents a story for every guy who's ever tried. You never give up, do you? Was that a yes? No. Well, then was that a no? No. Every girl who's ever hoped. This is not good. And anyone who's ever been taken completely by surprise. She kissed me. Where? In the car. Ten Things I Hate About You. Welcome to They Called This a Movie, testing the strength of friendships one terrible movie at a time. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and other podcast services by searching They Called This a Movie and find us on Twitter and Instagram at TicTamPod. That's T-C-D-A-M-Pod. We are also now a proud member of Geek Vibes Nation and you could find them at GVNation.com. Welcome back to They Called This a Movie. This is Anthony Delvecchio and with me as always is Dan Aquino and Mark Myers. Say hello, gentlemen. Hello, friends. Hello. Um, I think this weekend I finally... Uh, had the moment where I realized um, how old I am getting. Um, I went down the shore for my niece's softball games and we went on the boardwalk and I was asleep by 10. What, 10 p.m. or a.m.? 10 p.m. Okay. Because then you'd be as old as my dad if it was a.m. <laughs> I was although, just like... Yeah. Although my wife takes naps at 10 a.m. <laughs> so who knows? Who knows, right? <laughs> yeah. Yep. We're all, we're all too old at this point, right? Older yeah. than I expected to live. I didn't, I didn't really expect to live this long, right? That's a very thought, dark way to start the <laughs> podcast, guys. You thought, you thought the giant meteor was going to make it to us by now? Look, I've been waiting for the sun to explode for at least the past decade. and <laughs> Always least one day more. 
Yeah. It just keeps rising. Real real quick, if it makes you feel better, I feel great. <laughs> That's good. Good for you. Thank you. Uh, well, uh, we have guests this week joining us from their podcast that I, we promote every week. We have friends of ours. We have Ken and Rich. Guys, thanks for coming on this week. Thank you so much for having us. 607 Podcast in the building. What's going on? Not much. Yeah. Why don't you give us a little bit of a rundown of the podcast you guys are here representing? Well, we are representing the 607 Podcast Network, but you know me from running the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, better known as the ODPH Podcast, where each week we talk a parlay of topics. So if you're a fan of sports, pro wrestling, movies, TV, comics, and more, we are talking about what you need to know about. And then we have over to my right here from the Three Fat Nerds Podcast, I will let him do the intro because he does it better than anybody else, the one only Rich. Yes, uh, I'm Rich, and I'm an alcoholic. Oh, wait a minute, wrong <laughs> meeting, wrong meeting, sorry. Uh, no, uh, we did uh, went for the th- uh, we did the Three Fat Nerds Podcast, weekly podcast where we do movie reviews, we talk nerd news, and of course we get a little a little bit vulgar sometimes some lewd uh, jokes so no. if uh, you don't get a don't get offended mm-hmm. by uh, some of that stuff it's a good uh, good adult humor and fun times you guys are not welcome on and this of podcast course, i'm sorry this, this is a family show we didn't mention this before. well thank you for having it's us a family well, show. it was <laughs> nice <laughs> being here we'll, I, we'll show ourselves I, out. I, I will i will promise to be as professional as possible <laughs> uh but also you can catch myself and ken m uh, doing 607 tws talking all things pro wrestling on twitch and podcast one yes every monday 8 p.m eastern standard time great that's a plenty of places for all our listeners or our listener to check us out. Check you guys our out. Fan. It's our fan, um, our fan in the Isle of Man. Isle of Man has not downloaded an episode God in a while. Damn it! Yeah, he may have died. Mark, I'm going to assume he died. <laughs> he got. I know. He must have gotten like self-conscious. Yeah. Right. Uh, or he, he changed like, oh, his surely, VPN. <laughs> surely there are other people in the Isle of Man that were listening to the show, not just me. It, it was uh, our best per capita country <laughs> exactly <laughs> uh but as we do every week we talk about things we've watched this past week so i'm gonna start off with ken rich have you guys watched anything this week you want to talk about oh boy did i i, I mean i've watched a lot this week but uh i think the uh the best thing i've watched uh, would probably be the elvis interesting mm. uh, when saw that i've actually i've seen it i've seen it now twice <laughs> Because uh, wow. I, I went, I went with everybody from the uh, podcast. That's what we reviewed this week, and then uh, my wife and uh, my father-in-law I went with them on Sunday. I did. I actually really enjoyed the movie. Uh, Baz Luhrmann does a great job. Uh, the movie is shot very well, and uh, it flows very well. Even though it's uh, almost three hours long, it doesn't feel that way. I found it super entertaining, and I was not a big Elvis fan, so. If I found it entertaining not being a big Elvis fan, I'm sure most other people would as well. So Tom Hanks does a great job, and Austin Butler kills it. So I definitely would recommend uh, Elvis to anybody. And for me, uh, I actually caught up on Stranger Things finally because I know the season finale is coming in. So between that and the Umbrella Academy, uh, Netflix has just been dominating my uh, doing watching time this week. Gotcha. Cool. All right. Let's uh, go to Dan. Dan, what have you watched? Anything? Uh, I watched two things, one old and one newer for me. So I watched A History of Violence. I believe that was on Tubi. Never saw it before. Uh, a lot of people, I know a lot of people love that movie. I, I thought it was fine. Not Didn't love it. I don't know if anyone here has seen it. but It's uh, been a while. Yeah, that's a Cronenberg. Good. It's been a while. Right. I, you know what? I think that's why, Ant, because you, were, you had been talking about Cronenberg, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was like, I got to look up a list. Oh, have you? So I know it's on Tubi. Have you ever seen Videodrome? Oh, a long time ago. That's with. You should watch, um, you should watch Videodrome. James Woods. With, what's it? James Woods. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. That's a that's a Halloween classic or horror classic, right? Sci-fi. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty fucked up. 
So I feel like that's that's Cronenberg at his I wouldn't say most accessible, but his most fucked up. I would no, say you, you besides Crash, where you know they fuck because of car accidents, car crashes. Well, who doesn't, right? Academy Award winner, <laughs> deservedly yeah. so. Yeah. Right? For reasons. Ah, no, 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 that reasons. It slid in the back door literally because they weren't going to give it to Brokeback Mountain. Oh no, no, yeah. we are we are, we're talking, are talking about a completely different. Like we are been. talking about a completely different crash. Oh, <laughs> oh, you're talking about. Oh, yeah. This is the one where people get off literally uh, by having car accidents. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's a it's a messed up yeah. movie. I think that's like Spader and maybe Holly Hunter, like from the nineties. Yeah, that one's pretty weird too. I'm yeah, but like I said, it won Best Picture. No, no, you're thinking about you're thinking of you're thinking of, of the oh, I'm thinking of the other crash. Yeah. Oh, then never mind. Matt Dillon, <laughs> right? crash is mixed Matt up. Yeah, everybody, yes, yes, everybody's messing up the uh, we're messing up the crash. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm confusing Videodrome with Scanners, I believe. I feel that, like Scanners is another Cronenberg. Is it? Yeah, Scanners is okay. another Cronenberg, but it, it, it's easy to remember. Uh, scanners, heads explode, uh, Videodrome, yep. uh, giant insertion in stomach. Yeah, gotcha. That's pretty much the easy. I mean, there's more co- complexities to that, but that's the easiest way to separate. Them. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I liked a history of violence. It it, it went super quick, and it, there's a '69 uh, scene in nice. it. Nice. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that, and I got a weird look from my wife for it. Like I was supposed to know, <laughs> like there was going to be '69 in this. I don't know all that. All nice. right. <laughs> so I watched that. And then um, my sister and her boyfriend are up from Florida, and he had never seen the Batman. So I subjugated myself to, I want to say, about the seventh viewing or eighth viewing of Good the Batman. Good lord. But, all right, so I'll tell you. Sli- Nothing wrong with Slightly that. more with than Batman. the amount of times you've seen League of, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, though. <laughs> yeah, probably. Just a little bit more. Like six times, right? I think I've seen the movie. <laughs> um, but no, listen, uh, and Ken... I, I agree. It's a good movie, but the the more times I see it, the more times I kind of don't like it. Not not saying I don't like it at all, but like I'm just like, man, this needs to end. Well, the pro- the, the well, it's the problem that like anytime when you watch a movie over and over, you start like fine tuning and you try looking for stuff that you, like you you didn't see before, <laughs> and then it starts getting you fired up. Like, oh, I didn't notice this, before. but that Batman movie I could watch all day. You know what else? Like it's it's doesn't help my uh, so my sister's boyfriend. I don't think he was really feeling it because he was on his phone a lot and it, it just didn't seem to really uh, click with him. So maybe that was taking me out of the uh, the action as well a little bit. Like, all right, he's kind of wanting it to end. I'm kind of wanting it to end at this point. Mm, so he's not bringing was, in the he's not bringing the energy. Yeah, exactly. I I feed off of that energy. I need that kind You're of like a vampire. Moment. Yeah, exactly. At least, at least he didn't say like, "Oh, there's Mephisto." Right, right. <laughs> where, where's that? Where's that at? Where's that? No, he, yeah, he. Yeah. I don't think he. He might not know, but I gotta ask. Um, it, it also didn't help that I was up early to get them from the airport. So watching a three-hour movie that you've seen seven times, it, it's a, it's a bad mix. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's it for me. I didn't, I didn't really venture out too. Yeah. I just I I think I'm past the age of watching things seven times. Yeah, like, it's it's dying on me too. <laughs> like I can't tell you the last movie that has come out. I was like, yeah, man, I watched that like six times. It's great. I don't know. It was the um, the Snyder Cut. That's right. Yeah. yeah, let's put that shit on repeat. I think my my attention span is too low at this point in my life. I could watch. I could watch. I think you should leave seven times, but. Oh, and that other, the, the Letter Kenny. I'm sure you could watch that all day. Letter Kenny, yeah. yeah. But that's like, these are super easy things that are like on in the background really more than anything. 
in a half hour show is pretty much right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Give go. me in and out, baby. Uh, re- real quick before we move on. Sure. Uh, we're all, all of us here are going to New York Comic Con, I believe, correct? Yes, sir. Yes. Yes. Right. yes. So it's going to be great to see everybody. But my wife is very much looking okay. forward to, my wife is very much looking forward to another run of I Think Should Leave at the Hotel. Oh, boy. So like, right. see what you've done, Aunt? Yes. There you, you go. You've ruined everything. No, I've introduced you to excellence. It doesn't feel like that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mark, let's go to you. What did yeah. you watch this week? Anything? Uh, yeah, so you're going to be mad at me. Um, I didn't watch the hockey show that you wanted me to watch. Um, but I will watch it. I was too busy with softball and being down the shore. And um, I watched the first hour of Coyote Ugly because it came on after the movie we watched for this podcast. So Okay, that's what you watched. All right, I guess that's all we watched. Oh, wait, I didn't even talk about what I watched. I didn't watch anything. I watched Letterkenny because I don't have attention span anymore. So that's <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, uh, this is my second time through it. So, you know, and because of it, I was, wa- I was listening to 70s French-Canadian disco one morning. So there you go. That's all I got. Uh, so we're going to take a quick break. You guys are going to listen to some ads and we'll be back in a second. And welcome back. Now it's time to get into this week's movie. And this week was the June movie of the month. We pitted together three movies that had prom scenes or graduation scenes. And we decided to go a little bit better than what our usual fare is, which unknowingly to me was going to be a very hot button issue in my household. Um, but we did pick between can't hardly wait. I what is the name of the Freddie Prince Jr. movie? I can't remember it. He's what is that. it? She's, She's all that. that. I keep I keep that. going. I keep defaulting to Never Been Kissed, and I know this is a Drew Barrymore movie. Um, mm. and our winner for this week was Ten Things I Hate About You. And my wife, who never comments on any movie that we watch, and will not watch any movie we watch watch with me because she knows they're all shit, was so mad because she said that's a, not a bad movie. You guys can't watch that movie. But we did anyway. Okay, good. I was afraid she was going to go in the opposite direction. Oh, no, no. She's like, what are you guys talking about? You can't. You can't. It's too good. It's a great movie. It's the best movie ever. I don't know if she said that, but basically was her sentiment. Um, My my sister got very upset when I told her what we were covering. Yeah. I I mean, I I don't have have much in the way of let's make fun of this. But uh, let's go to our guests. Kenner Rich, where are you coming from with... 10 things I hate about you. Modern day Shakespeare retelling in the 90s? I mean, this is just, um, it's something. Uh, where do we begin? I mean, first off, just bad. There's no other way around it. Heath Ledger is trying to do like the bad boy persona and it's just failing absolutely miserably. Like the fact that he's just smoking cigarettes all over the place and he's going out drinking and he's supposed to be in high school too. And I, nobody's ever checking in for ID at the bars. That was the first thing like I was taken away from this. I'm like, what is going on here? And then this is just a plot. I mean, can you even say it's a plot? I understand. According to IMDb, William Shakespeare is credited as a writer on this film. I was gonna say that is the best part about this movie. <laughs> yes. Uh, where where is his writing in here? With I mean, the, such great lines. I mean, I, I I guess I'm missing it because the plot is just basically who's paying who to take who out. I mean, it, it just was like all over the place. Well, it is adapted from the Taming of... That's yeah. why William Shakespeare gets a writing credit. Right. They don't always give him a writing credit, though, on IMDb for everything that's adapted. So that was kind of intriguing that they did that, which is fine. Uh, which is... is It's an interesting enough story because I, I believe it or not, I actually like Shakespeare. But I would, never would have picked this as something that I would have adapted to a movie if I was a director. But once again, I did not direct this film, so... 
that doesn't you know go there. Uh, but but I will say that I remember liking this movie a lot more probably when I was in high school in 99 because mm. in 99 I was 16 so I was in high school my high school by the way looked nothing like that high school yeah <laughs> like I didn't get a nice little ocean view off the football <laughs> field or river whatever that it was it was beautiful uh but uh watching it as a 39 year old man now I'm like I, I don't know like it, it, it's just not you know obviously it wasn't for me there were some things I did like though it was kind of funny but there was some very questionable decisions yes Dan what about you where are you coming from I I like this movie. I I was kind of blown away. Ken coming in hot. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I enjoyed this movie. I remember liking it in '99 when I saw it, uh, and I hadn't seen this movie in a long time. But I had seen it a few times. I will say that it is definitely a product of its time. You get some some things that you would probably wouldn't be saying now. Um, I think Julia Stiles drops a hard uh, a hard R word on uh, Bianca. No, oh, yeah, she does. Yeah, mm-hmm. you got that. Um, comparison, comparison to can't hardly wait though. This is pretty clean. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. clean wise, it is definitely way cleaner than uh, can't hardly wait. Yeah, uh, Heath Ledger, like Ken was saying, he's smoking and drinking as a high school student. Probably doesn't fly now. Uh, yeah, but but still, I, it's it's a pretty good cast for the '90s. Uh, I, I think I, I was never really a big Julia Stiles fan, but I, I know some of the, uh, the 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 writing is kind of jilted here and there, and it, it's a very '90s plot, like like uh, Rich was saying, to pay whoever to take out whoever. Uh, but I, I will say this, and maybe uh, this might be a hot take, or I'm, I'm not sure. But I'd rather just give me Gabrielle Union over uh, Larissa Olyan. That that's me. Uh-huh. Am I, am I, I would agree with that. I'm, I'm there with okay. you. I agree with that. So, it, although that's it was, my it was, away. it was interesting though. It was interesting though. Gabrielle Union's lines were almost written like you would think it was for a different character. Yeah, she's very. She, she performs them very well, but she's it's it's just kind of like weird to hear her deliver certain lines in the movie because mm-hmm. it's like it, it it and I'm I don't like bringing it in like this, but it's, it almost sounded like a very whitewashed version because she kind of had that almost Valley Girl line it quality to her, and I'm just like, like yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was kind of weird, and I'm like. Especially since this movie is kind of a more serious movie in a lot of ways. Obviously, there's a lot of fun in it, but it's a little more serious than, like, I Can't Hardly Wait, where you would have, like, that gag running. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I definitely preferred her acting well over uh, most people in the movie. I think she was one of the best actresses in the movie. Yeah. Facts. Dan, how dare you besmirch Alex Mack? Uh, I'm sorry, <laughs> man. I, she, she just didn't do it for me, you know? All right. Uh, Mark, what about you? Yeah, so... Um, of the three movies in the poll, this is probably my, it would have been my second choice. Um, as I, I jokingly uh, mentioned on Twitter today, I have probably seen this movie um, as many times oh, as Dan has seen the Batman. Yes, probably more actually. <laughs> I, I um, will say, Mark, your your little uh, exchange there on Twitter that was really good. That made me laugh yeah, pretty hard. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Because immediately when I read that comment from Letterbox and I mentioned the Brie guy, I was like. I know where the Brie guy is. He, he and you only catch it on like second or third watch, but um, it's a pretty good gag. Um, but yeah, this is also the product of having an older sister in that um, that was obsessed with Hugh. Um, I'm sorry, Heath Ledger. I was about to say Hugh Grant for some dumb reason. Um, you know, obsessed with Heath Ledger. Um, and you know, I why we had this and can't hardly wait and. You know, um, Romeo and Juliet, speaking of Shakespeare adaptations, or I'm sorry, Romeo plus Juliet um, with Leo in it. The aforementioned um, Baz Luhrmann. Baz Luhrmann, yes. 
Yes. Yeah. yeah, it was. Yeah, so so this was the era of when they were doing these um, Shakespeare reimaginings in a modern. I think there's an Othello in here at some point. Uh, o-, o starring uh, oh. Mackay Fikes. Yes. And Andrew Keegan. Yep. And Andrew and Keegan. Julia Stiles, right? <laughs> Andrew Keegan is also in the movie. Yes. And Julia Stiles. Isn't Julia yeah. Stiles in that? I think she is. Yes, I do believe she's yeah. love interest. Yeah, she was doing yeah. a bunch of the Shakespeare remakes in the 90s, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. So this was that era, and this is probably one of the ones that um, I did enjoy, probably more so because I didn't have as much familiarity with Taming of the Shrew as I did the other ones. Um, so I was kind of able to separate that a little bit um, while watching it, um, at least at the time when I saw him originally. Um but I do. I like Dan said. I real. I do. I do enjoy this movie. I can just sit down and watch it. Um, I think it's funny. I think this might be if you encapsulate all of the people supposed to be playing teens. I think it might be the best looking cast of of the movies um, of this time period, um, from top to person that said like three lines in the movie. Um, and there's like a who's who of people from this time frame. Um, you know. Uh, in there, you're like, oh, that girl. Don't know her name, but it's that girl. Um, the one that plays um, Julia Stiles, um best friend. I think it's Susie Mary Pratt. You mean uh, not Kristen Ritter? Yeah, not Kristen Ritter. Um, yeah, so I really enjoyed this movie. I I think some of the some of the gags obviously don't hold up, um, you know, and a lot of it is very, very, um, very nineties. Uh, especially uh, uh, Larry Miller's stuff with the getting jiggy with some boy and all that stuff. Um, but well, it was almost the millennium, so yeah, yeah. It just had to get him in there. So yeah, I, I I think this movie is is one of the better ones of this time frame from like '97 to say 2001, two ish of the revival of of like teen comedies, teen uh, based movies. Um, yeah, it's it's. Yeah, it's one of the ones that, outside of a couple moments that Dan mentioned, probably still technically holds up as a story, um, in the sense that you can always have that guy falls in love with a girl that he, he shouldn't even, you know, the whole the whole Heath Ledger side and the you know geeky boy gets the cute girl, even though there's no way, um, you know, if, if he if she would have got with uh, David Crumholtz, that would have been more of the geeky guy gets the girl, <laughs> in my opinion. Mm. Uh, but um, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm I glad that we got this one, even though I was more excited because I suggested Can't Hardly Wait. I was hoping that would win because that has so many moments um, in it. But this was a good, 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 um, a second choice. Gotcha. As for me, I remember watching this in theaters. I remember liking nice. it and watching it now. I don't know if I really like this movie or if I am just charmed by Heath Ledger. Man, he makes smoking look so fucking cool. I'm sitting here at 36 being like, you know what? Maybe I should do it. You know, maybe I should buy a pack of smokes. Just start smoking. Because he's so fucking cool in this movie. I don't care if you say he doesn't. He's cool. I want to be him. That's <laughs> that's what I came away with this movie. Um, yeah. Uh, it's super ridiculous that he's supposed to be the bad boy, though, because it's like he's got like model good looks. It's like why people are afraid yeah. of him. Are you kidding me? That's not real. In every single story he's got too about like why, where he was the past year. Go, like, he killed a man. He was in jail and all that jazz. Yeah, he set a uh, a cop on fire. <laughs> yeah, well, a cab. So I mean, I know. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but yeah, uh, real quick, he has a friend early on who has like mohawk, like a mohawk. Yeah. He should have been the bad boy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's like stereotypical bad boy mm-hmm. for that time. Oh, period. sure. Yeah, yeah, but he yeah, isn't. But- 
he isn't Heath Ledger in her, his first American role. Let's be honest. That's a good point. You're not going to make a thirty well, million. That's interesting too, because when you when you get when you get in there with his first American role, it's kind of funny because throughout the throughout the movie, though, you get between him doing his American accent and then the Australian accent mm-hmm. kicks in a couple times, and it's kind of fun to see where the moments where he kind of goes in and out of what he's doing. But he still was good. I'm not saying he was bad. I just thought it was interesting because later on he would perfect English, like a, an American English accent. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, uh... This yeah, I like. I think I saw this like with my parents too in theaters too. <laughs> um, I remember liking this one a lot. Um, there was something I wanted to. I don't yeah, I was what gonna, it was though. Go ahead. Maybe give some time to think, but um, I I think, and this probably this point leads into um from me going from this movie into uh, the first hour of Coyote Ugly. Um, a lot of these movies, um, I think the watchability comes from. The fact that they do have people that can act in them, you know, it's not wait, just. Well, well, wait, wait a minute. Right. I mean, you can't prop up Coyote Ugly as an example <laughs> of that. <laughs> Come on, besides, besides, besides John Goodman, there's a, in it. There's John a, Goodman's great. Yeah, yeah, John Goodman. John Goodman is John the most Goodman. underrated actor of our time. But I mean, that's a that's a. Uh, all-star cast of the Spice Girls, basically, in that movie. <laughs> yeah, but most of the scenes... You mean the legendary Coyote Ugly? Yeah. The the movie that famously paid Kevin Smith a ton of money to do a page one rewrite and then used none of it? <laughs> oh, <really>? <laughs> that's <laughs> just baller. Yeah. What are you talking about? That's that's essentially, like, Aunt, what Aunt was saying is, like, we have the Spice Girls at home kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's Tyra Banks and Piper Parabo. Yeah. Bright Terrence is in that movie, right? Yeah, she's in it in the beginning, and and uh, the mm-hmm. first Mrs. Brady, or I don't even know if they were married. Um, Bridget oh, Moynihan, right. by the way. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I Moynihan, was thinking yeah. of the Brady yeah. bunch. Yeah. <laughs> like, are you talking about Florence Henderson? Yes, it had Florence Henderson in it. Um, yeah. Uh, well, Maria Bello's good. Oh, in that movie, so I was in a History of Violence, getting sixty nine by Vico Mortensen. It's all there coming you go. together. It'll come back around. Synergy. <laughs> but my, my point of this movie is that they seem to probably hit the jackpot a little bit in the sense that they probably did pick for who looked good in the role and just happened to hit on a couple people that could actually act. Um, and it not being, you know, uh, you know, too cringeworthy through it. Um, I think the charm of Heath Ledger and, you know, the, you know, likability of, of, of uh, Gordon Levitt in this. Um, they were probably just going, oh, that's the kid from Third Rock. And, you know, look at this handsome guy from Australia. We'll put him in this, you know, just just hit just hit it to be able to get people that weren't distracting while in the movie. Um, mm. You know, so that was mainly my point there. And you can shoot on Coyote Ugly all you want. <laughs> but I do like that movie, too. Look, I'm just not going to give it the pass uh, that you were willing to give it. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I will and, say, OK, I was going to say. And it's not the first time that I've been overly more positive about a movie than anyone on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're just you're just putting that bar low of people that can act. It's like, yeah, they spoke proper English most of the part. Um, I'll say not enough Alice and Janney in this movie. Hell yeah. Alice and Janney should be in all movies as far as I'm concerned. But uh, yeah. Good point. Yes. There's, there should have got to go also. There should have been a love story, like a love, uh, like a, maybe a C story, where Larry Miller and Allison Janney get together. That would have been good. A story I brought worst. Exactly. <laughs> I would, I would love to have seen that them. Would be, that, would be, 
Well, I was going to say, you got you can't be too disappointed in this movie. First of all, entertaining as hell because of the fact that you have uh, one of the greatest soundtracks. This is a movie that yes. opens with One Week by the Bare Naked Yes, Place. it does. And it also features the sultry sounds of cameo with word up <laughs> so, i mean i mean this movie is is eclectic i mean if you go through it casey and jojo on the soundtrack biggie biggie i was just gonna say the, the highlight of the movie is biggie I mean, there, but there was a there was a an eclectic range of music which is what i think of when i think of the late 90s actually honestly but it's it, it was it, i liked i thought the soundtrack was one of the most fun parts about the movie itself mm-hmm. um i'll also say with everybody else i thought the acting was actually really good uh, Thank you. Because most of the people who were in the most of the people who were in this movie and and going forward would become pretty damn good actors. I mean, Joseph Gordon-Levitt has gone on to do some pretty good things. I mean, we won't crucify him for being Robin for a brief <laughs> period of time, but 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 you know, Looper was amazing. Yeah, Looper was, <laughs> Looper was dope. Uh, you know, and obviously Heath Ledger. Uh, Julia Stiles was like the it girl at the time. I I never quite got her. But she was. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I do. I do uh, know that we already referenced Alex Mack in the movie. Uh, so I mean, her career I thought should have been bigger. It's like it's a weird thing that happened in the late '90s and early 2000s was there was a lot of people whose careers were like set to skyrocket, and then whatever happened didn't happen. Uh, like when in Scream, you have uh, Ski Ulrich, yep. who everybody thought was the next Johnny Depp, and just never achieved that. And and I think that that happened in this movie with a few, but Gabrielle Union ended up being a megastar as well, and yep. also the Miss Dwayne Wade. Yep. Yeah, I mean th- this cast really just stood out and just you know had that kind of in a weird sense like the Days and Confused cast vibe, like everybody was you know supposed to take off for bigger things. It didn't happen. Like and like I say, the only thing I really remember from this movie, like when the Biggie soundtrack is because they were always just showing the Julia Stiles dancing. It's like, well, there's more to this movie than that. Yeah. yeah. It's fucked up. He was 28 when he died. It's crazy. Ledger. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Super young. <laughs> Heath. Yeah. Yeah. Man, it's, uh... it was right around this time that Heath. He right after this, Heath Ledger did one of my favorite movies, believe it or not, The Patriot, mm-hmm. with Mel oh, Gibson. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, like I said, he like literally he hit the ground running as being his first American movie to literally becoming a mega. Like people don't realize how quick that actually happened. Yeah. yeah. And, and, he, and became a commodity. Yeah. Then he went on to do his best movie, A Knight's Tale. Oh, I love I that think, movie. Two years later, <laughs> he had like a pretty good run. Movie. Believe it or not, yeah. I like that movie. Some people actually don't like that movie. Yeah. I actually kind of I can tolerate I, it. Yeah. I like him. That's why. It's yeah. the weird part. He's always he's always been one of those actors that no matter what he's in, it's kind of like John Goodman. Mm-hmm. John Goodman. We, we brought him up a little bit earlier, but John Goodman, I've always said, has never done a bad movie. He's been in bad movies. Yeah, right? he's, always he's always been, always been amazing guy in, in the movies. And I, I think Heath Ledger's kind of that same kind of. You know, sadly enough, we, he wasn't here long enough, but definitely was one of those people who, no matter what role he was in, he was amazing. Yeah, I, he had a I, pretty I, good I, run. I will say, we, you brought up The Patriot. I had a chance to see that in the movie theater, and I went and saw me, myself, and Irene instead with my mother. <laughs> Ooh, uh, bad decision yeah. to make. Not a great choice uh, that's for, like, for multiple that's reasons. <laughs> that's like me going to see The Cable Guy instead of The Rock. Yeah. <laughs> we, <laughs> we, we all have our regrets. Yeah. As yeah, Jim Carrey, Jim that, Carrey just, did it to us. Just something about Jim Carrey. <laughs> well, he he was a megastar in the nineties. Who yeah. who could blame us, right? Yeah. Uh, but like uh, I, Heath Ledger, back to back, he had like ten things I hate about you, then The Patriot and Knight's Tale, and then he was even in a Monsters Ball, which is a, oh, a, a garbage time. movie. But Holly Berry, you know, obviously got her Oscar for that. He's also really good mm-hmm. in Lords of Dogtown, which is not a good movie, but he plays a pretty good but, role. Once in again, it. yeah, but he stands out. Yeah. 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 He's really, really charismatic in that as like the, uh, he's like a promoter. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like I said, there's certain people who just command a screen. And and I think that that's one of those things that does stick on this movie. Even though it was his first American movie, you kind of be like, oh, he's going to be a star. Yeah. 
and George, Joseph Gordon-Levitt grew up in, you know, he was a kid actor. So, like, this was still kind of, like, in that trajectory. And it would take him going away in a little ways and then coming back uh, to actually make it in Hollywood. And he did. So, like I said, so you had two breakout stars. One took a lot longer than the other. And then there's a bunch of people who just were supposed to be the next it thing. And just didn't happen for whatever reason or another. Yeah. There were two parts of this movie that I took away the most. Like, that will stick with me forever. Uh, one Rich brought up was the high school. It, it, they essentially went to Wayne Manor for high school. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like a fucking castle that was just like, you know, <laughs> like Confederate castle that was taken in uh, in the Civil War. Just like, all right, this is a school now. Yeah, I, I would imagine that was kind of on purpose because of the Shakespeare tie-in to try and find oh, a place yeah. that looks that like that. Interesting. I never Plus, thought of that. Uh, and the second thing I took away was the absolute. Uh, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get a little catty here, so I apologize. Oh, uh, the absolutely Ooh. terrible prom dress that Bianca wears at the end of this movie. <laughs> Stop it feeling was, it. No, better, it, better or worse than Maui Ringwald. Fashion, though. But, uh, what was that, Mark? Uh, no, no. It's like better or worse than Maui Ringwald. I, I mean, pretty Molly Ringwald set the standard, so I can't. You know, <laughs> I can't go at Molly Ringwald. This. She almost looked like a pretty, pretty princess kind of thing kind of going on with uh, Bianca. And it just, it was such an eyesore and it stood out amongst everybody else. And that was including the dress that Susan May Pratt wears. It's like the, uh, you know, the Shakespearean, that, at least that fit a motif. This dress, it, it was like she kind of wanted to just play dress up. And I, I'm not, I was not a fan of it. There, I said it. You're just a <laughs> hater, Dan. Listen, I know fashion when I see it. All right, Mark? <laughs> No, you know, you know, what's really funny, though, whenever when you were mentioning about the high school, the weird part about it is every time when I was watching this movie, I couldn't help but think when Heath Ledger's singing, it just reminded me of not another teen movie mm-hmm. yeah. where you have where you have Captain America, let's be honest. Yeah. Singing, singing Janie's got a gun instead of, you know, it, it was it was it, it just was way better. <laughs> But, uh, no, I, 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 it's crazy stuff. It's definitely a 90s movie. You can tell. Oh, yeah. So, 10 Things I Hate About You from 1999 is directed by Gil Younger. He's the guy that pops up in those bloopers at the end. Um, doesn't really do much besides a bunch of TV. Like, every 90s television show on, uh, like, any comedy, he's basically directed a bunch of episodes. Stars, Julia Stiles, Heath Ledger, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Larissa Olenek, David Krumholtz, Andrew Keegan, Susan Mary Pratt. Gabrielle Union, Larry Miller, Daryl Mitchell, Allison Janney, and David Leisure comes out of nowhere. Yeah. IMDb score of 7.3 and a Rotten Tomato score is... I forgot to put it down. So I don't even know what the Rotten Tomato score is. Uh, budget, $30 million. Box office, only $38 million the U.S., $53 million worldwide. I was surprised by that low number because, I mean, it's t- I guess it's like a cult classic at this point, right? Yeah. Everybody of a certain generation basically holds this movie in high regard, including my wife, who I think was planning on divorcing me because we were doing this movie. <laughs> I have a spare bedroom for you if need be, so you can always stop by here. Yeah, I would I would have to look up the numbers, but I feel like of this genre that came out, this movie would be closer to the um, some kind of wonderful to like she's all that's pretty in pink or something like that. You know, the, sure. you know, in terms of, you know, the one that uh had probably the, I guess, with Freddie Prince, but that was after. Um, I know we did last summer. No. I don't know, but I, was... I can't even remember the name of that movie. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say that I think you know he was probably a bigger star than um, anyone in this movie. So that's my point: is that you know this was the 
the underrated one that was probably the better of the two at the time. And sure. maybe I'm making a, a weird comparison, but that number speaks to it didn't have like an it movie star in this film to get somebody yeah. to go out to theaters. Yeah, I guess that's true. Everyone that kind of got semi big after this was this was like the movie the movie that made them that big. Even Julia Stiles, I think if she got this movie based on that Biggie dance for she got Save the Last Dance because of that Biggie mm-hmm. dance she does in this movie. I, I kept know. confusing Save the Last Dance with Step Up. No, that's the Channing Tatum movie. Yeah, yeah that's totally different. different <laughs> <laughs> I just like, oh, there's dancing in it, so they must be the same. <laughs> yeah. All right, you guys want to get into the plot? Yeah, let's do it. Sure. All right. Dan, what do you got for us this week? I'm going to give a quick shout out to a good friend of the podcast, as we always do, our good friend Tia and her friend Brittany and their podcast, The Top Ten with Tia. It's a podcast, a weekly podcast where Tia and Brittany rundown top 10 lists so again top 10 uh comic book movies top 10 uh whatever i can't think of a top 10 list for some reason julia right styles movies there you go <laughs> that that's perfect that fits right now um <laughs> so yeah go over to geekvibesnation.com just search top 10 with tia you could also follow, follow tia on instagram at pc underscore stark and Brittany at itty bitty brit Okay, great. And we're going to take a quick break, and you guys are going to listen to some messages from Friends of the Podcast, and we will be right back. Hey, everyone. This is Steve. And this is Adam. And we're part of the Hop Nation USA podcast. Pittsburgh's number three craft beer podcast. Join us every Friday for new beer reviews. We'll talk about the news, history, and homebrewing. Plus, we'll sit down with the best brewers and industry personalities that'll have us. So whether you're a casual drinker, a hazy boy hophead, or even if you're a whale hunting cellar hoarder, just search Hop Nation USA on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher and join the nation. Oh, hi. Didn't see you there. It's me, George, from the best little horror house in Philly, the show where we talk about the best horror movie ever made, according to our guest at least. We've talked about groundbreaking classics like Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Alien, but we've also got a lot of great ones coming up, including some very fun guests like Len Kabazinski of Swamp Zombies and Red Letter Media fame, Caroline Williams, the star of Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, and Chase Williamson from John Dies at the End. So make sure you're subscribed to the best little horror house in philly and i'll see you boils and ghouls over there and welcome back now it's time to get into the plot for 10 things i hate about you we open with two-time billboard music award winners the bare naked ladies and one week as credits roll over shots of a beautiful pacific northwest suburb i i wondered how you were going to introduce them <laughs> we then pan over to a group of stereotypical bubbly teen girls rocking out the triple platinum bnl in a convertible volkswagen but then a moody Julia Stiles kills the vibe as she pulls up alongside of them, blasting bad reputation. We then cut Get to it. a cat. Get it? She's the bad girl? Get yep. It. Just per, uh, characterizes her immediately. That's what they're doing in the go-go 90s. You gotta be quick. We then yeah. cut to a castle that has been turned into a high school for white suburban teens. And we cut to Alice and Janney continuing to make every movie she's in better as Miss Perky, the foul-mouthed erotica writing principal as she welcomes new student Cameron into the school. Just as quickly, quickly as she welcomes him, she ushers him out. Only to have hunky upperclassman Patrick Heath Ledger, R.I.P., come in to discuss his recent sexual harassment of a school lunch lady with a bratwurst. We then follow. Remember when you can get away with that? <laughs> yep. Just look the other way. Boys will be boys, right? Exactly. Yeah. Especially if you help the principal with her uh, erotica fiction. <laughs> there you go. Especially if you look like Heath Ledger, too. 
Uh, we follow Cameron, who meets Michael, a proto Ben Shapiro, showing him around the school and lays out all the cliques that exist in the high school. Wait a minute. We're- did you, <laughs> did you just call David from Holtz Ben Shapiro? Uh, Proto Ben Shapiro, yeah. Oh, 100%. My. Michael 100% becomes Ben Shapiro if this movie is, tw- if you look back 20 years later. Oh, man. That just ruined Got the no problems with that. <laughs> yeah, no, it makes sense. way too correct. It's more correct <laughs> than it should be. Thanks, Ant. Thanks for just destroying everything. Look, when he's Bernard in Santa Claus, he's not a proto Ben Shapiro, but here he is. <laughs> uh, so he he describes all the cliques that exist in the school, which I think is a scene that it might exist in every single 90s high school movie, at least clueless and definitely mean girls. Michael can only show Cameron the school from his perspective, a self-hating AV club member that buys his eyes odds from the outlet mall. And Cameron then comes across Bianca, Alex Mack from The Secret World of Alex Mack. He is immediately in love as she shallowly talks about her Prada backpack and her sketchers to Gabrielle Union. Michael gives Cameron the 411, as the kids would say, regarding Bianca and that she has an overprotective father that no will not let her date. We then cut to an English lit class taught by Mr. Morgan, who is trying to get through a lesson on the on Sun Also Rises. The class consistently gets derailed by Andrew Keegan as Joey, shoveling some Andrew Dice Clay era misogyny at Cat. A couple of white Rastas who think they know the plight of the black man. Hungry Patrick coming in to make sure he didn't miss anything by showing up late, then immediately leaving. And then Cat's brand of upper class white feminism that discounts the struggles of men and women of color in order to get the bell jar on the class curriculum. I, I This scene encapsulates what that uh, letterbox thing said that, um, you know, a uh, I, a girl that listens to Riot Girl and reads Sylvia Platt, you yeah. know, wouldn't go to the prom with a boy. Right. <laughs> um, Mr. Morgan definitely shoots down all of these agitators, but sends only Cat to the principal's office just for annoying him. Cat goes to Miss Perky's, who is struggling to find the right words for her erotic novel she's writing on school time. And Miss Perky tells Cat to basically try not to be such a bitch to everybody all the time and kicks her <laughs> out of her office. Great principal. <laughs> At the end of the school day, Cameron does some more pining for Bianca and scoffs at Andrew Keegan for being a model. And Michael tells Cameron that his infatuation for Bianca is a lost cause. So jerk off about her and move on. But she does need a French tutor, which Cameron thinks he's is his in despite not knowing French. Then as everyone leaves school, Bianca and Chastity get a ride with Andrew Keegan's Joey. Cat drives her friend who is not Kristen Ritter and Cat almost runs over Michael who has a motorbike. Real quick, I I gotta go back. I just realized this after watching this movie, sure. uh, and you and you explaining it. Simpsons did it. That's how Homer gets Marge. That's right. I totally the, the opposite about that. though. He ne- he says he needs a French tutor. Right. Yeah. They they use yeah. the French tutor excuse. Mm-hmm. Damn. This movie sucks. Yeah. Copying off William Shakespeare. <laughs> just ripping off Shakespeare and The Simpsons. Two great writers. <laughs> Tells Cameron that Cat is actually Bianca's sister, and then he winds up driving his motorbike down a steep hill as this entire school watches. He gets some street cred, though. Everybody cheers him on when he gets up. So, points for Mike. Totally worth it. It's always weird to have a character named Michael. It never happens, but it's such a popular name, right? Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a very, uh, I know plenty of Michaels. Right, but not many not many characters are named Michael. Well, Michael That's... Corleone. Oh, well, Yeah. Well, I didn't say none of them. Just... <laughs> well, I, just, well, I just proved you wrong. So that's there. right. Point Dan. <laughs> At home, Kat sits there, literally reading the bell jar as her dad comes home. Played by George 
Costanza runner-up Larry Miller. She gives a snide comment to him about making people cry during her school day. And Bianca comes home and greets him with just rays of sunshine coming out of her ass. We also find out that Kat got accepted Sarah Lawrence behind her dad's back, who thought she was planning to go to college locally. And then Kat narks on Bianca about getting a ride home with a boy. So her dad has a fit about his one rule, not dating until they graduate, then tells an anecdote about how, as an OBGYN, he had to deliver a set of twins to a 15-year-old girl, and Bianca 100% slut-shames the girl she never met before. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely one of those things that wouldn't fly today in the way she describes her. I don't so, know yeah, if so. it would fly, but I think it would happen. I think we would get that today. You think? Yeah, I, I think so. It, maybe it wouldn't be the heroine of the movie. <laughs> but it, it, it would be like maybe one of the bullies but someone would absolutely do it <laughs> bianca and cat bicker until their dad decides he has a new role bianca can date but only if cat dates and he's off back to work in his page as his pager goes off at school cameron and bianca meet at the library so cameron can tutor her and immediately he asks her out to dinner which is not great move by cameron she says especially that. for french food Ew. yeah <laughs> i don't know i, I... <laughs> where where would you take uh where would you take bianca mark yeah chilies good i mean i mean i heard chilies is a good place to start a relationship so <laughs> well you know one of them almost ended there so don't, don't go there uh applebee's eating good in the neighborhood man if i would listen to ocho cinco i would take her to mcdonald's olive garden uh, when you're he- when you're there your family yeah no you can't do that you gotta take someplace classy taco bell <laughs> now, now yeah now if i was i would take her obviously you know if we were in new york i'd take her to the greatest new york pizza place sparrows, <laughs> sparrows. get me a new york slice. i told you that story right how i i when i was working in new york i was so hungry i went and got a, a slice of well i got a, a, a pie from pizza hut and there's a, obviously there's a billion pizzerias there so I kind of felt as if I, as a person, I'm like invalidated. You can't. Yeah, I mean, I think 100. That's the truth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, you know, I I shame myself. I deserve it. <laughs> yeah, you shouldn't do that. Um, so she says that's so sweet, really emasculating, like, and tells him that she can't date unless Cat dates, and she's hopeless. Cat is hopeless and a bitch, basically. So Cameron says that he'll try and find a guy for Cat. So Michael rounds up a group of guys that he thinks are so pathetic they'd be willing to date Cat, including a stoner, a nerd, and a guy that may be interested in fucking sheep, but none of them want to go out with Cat. Once again, something that wouldn't fly today, thanks to uh, cancel culture. Banging I know, sheep. right? Yeah. I, I do want to point out, that scene in the movie is epic, because for whatever reason, all of them are standing behind in a doorway <laughs> as they are like interviewed, if you will. Yeah, like one's in the chair interviewed while the other ones are standing behind, and then like the first guy is still standing behind. Like, why wouldn't you just leave after it was your turn? He wants to rate the competition. It's a precursor for Survivor. You would think could be the Bachelorette. Yeah, the the person behind the first guy would hear the question, "Do you want to date Cat Stratford?" And everyone else would be like, "Oh, guys, just turn around. This is bullshit." Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, no, no. But it's like everybody just sits in the chair and gets asked the same question. Yep. <laughs> that one guy just wanted to say he wanted to bang sheep, I think. Yeah. He, just, yeah. he, he, needed, to, he needed to tell somebody. Yeah, yeah, he, he, just, he just wanted to, he wanted to test the waters. <laughs> like, are we cool? Well, he, did, he does ask if there are sheep. Yeah. He gets really excited yeah. about it. Yeah. Ooh. In biology class, Cameron notices Patrick and asks Michael about him, and Michael parrots back a whole bunch of rumors about Patrick and how he sold his kidney for a new set of speakers. 
but Cameron is convinced that Patrick is the answer. So Cameron goes to try and talk to Patrick in shop class, but Patrick puts a hole in his French book and scares off Cameron. Yeah, I actually think it's his liver because it comes up later in the movie, the callback, oh. yeah, the, the liver. The, uh, the alcohol. Yeah. Right. Did you yeah. guys, th- this brought up some fond memories. I don't know if you guys are allowed to do this, but in high school where you could just freely go from class to class and talk to your friends, did you do that? I don't remember that being a thing in my high school at all. No. That was not a thing in my high school. Really? Mark? Yeah. Oh. If, if you had a free period, I guess it was just me because I would just want people would just wander from classroom to classroom and have full blown conversations with their friends. Yeah. No, that never happened in my school. No, no, I can't see that. Although, also, I can say that nobody was ever attempted to be murdered via drill in my high school. Yeah. Oh, we had that. That was Tuesday. <laughs> Tuesday's the limit. Uh, so Cameron and Michael regroup, trying to figure out a new plan. Michael says that they need a benefactor, a money man that will play Patrick in order to take out Cat, uh, preferably rich and dumb. So Michael goes up to Joey during lunch and tells him that he should pay Patrick to take out Cat. In return, uh, Joey acknowledges Michael in, in school. So Joey thinks this is a good idea and shoes Michael away, but not before drawing a dick on his face, which would totally happen to Ben Shapiro. Oh, yeah. The, um, the, the tolerant left. <laughs> Uh, Michael goes back to Cameron and tells him that while Joey is busy working with Patrick, Cameron has an opportunity to get closer to Bianca. Cats after school soccer practice. Everybody's just at soccer practice. Why is like Heath Ledger hanging out? That's all the are practicing at once. Yeah. They uh, at, have the um, what's like the army, the high school army, the ROTC. Right. They even have the ROTC just like doing drills on the soccer field. <laughs> Uh, at Cat's so- school practice, soccer practice, Joey goes up to Patrick and tells him he wants Patrick to take out Cat so he can take out Bianca. After some haggling, they graded 50 bucks. So after practice is called, Patrick tries to pick up Cat, but she's not receptive to any of these advances and she walks off. At home, Cat and Bianca continue to their bickering about Cat not trying to fit in and Bianca enjoying being popular. And then they argue about Bianca wearing their mother's pearls. Who just kind of up and ditched them, right? She's not dead. Right, yeah. Mom left. I think that's yeah. what one of the best An interesting an interesting like decision by the writers, right? Yeah. And they never explain why. Yeah. They're saving it for the sequel. Right. <laughs> Eleven things I hate about you. <laughs> I wonder also, if that's a I wonder if that's a taming the shrew thing. Um or okay. or the fact that maybe there wasn't a queen in that, so they needed an explanation for you know, modern days. I mean, just having her dead just answers all questions, though. Oh, I agree. <laughs> why, yeah, the father doesn't yeah. want her to leave. Yeah, it's yeah. so it's such an odd, like an odd, not choice because it it just simplifies everything. If she died. Did you notice the uh, like the comebacks? Because uh, Bianca and uh, Julie Stiles' character, the cat, when it when they bicker. They'll do like little catty things, but the the comebacks are terrible. Right, like Bianca would be like, "Why can't you just be like a normal person?" And she's like, "Why can't you just be a normal person?" Like, that's a oh, terrible yeah, comeback. Just, just parrots back. You yeah. suck. You suck. Yeah, you suck. You, why aren't you from Planet Whatever? Man, mm. <laughs> but is that William Shakespeare? I don't remember him writing that. Yeah, that's 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 the text, man. Yeah, there you go. That's why he's <laughs> the, the text. He's the goat. <laughs> 
the next day, Kat comes out of a music store to find Patrick waiting for her at her car, and he tries to chat her up again, but she blows him off again and gets in her car to leave. But before she's able to pull out, Joey parks his car in the middle of the street right behind her, so Kat, in turn, uh, which seems reasonable, to be honest, backs her car into his. Yeah. Back at home, Kat's dad freaks out about the insurance claim, and Bianca freaks out about Joey not having a car now. But at school, Joey comes to Patrick about how he doesn't feel like he's getting his money worth money's worth from Patrick. Patrick says he's upped his price to one hundred bucks per date. Michael and Cameron. Man. Yep. Michael and Cameron then go to talk. You know what he says? You, if you're good at something, never do it for free. It's a good point. This is his. <laughs> this is his Joker origin story. Yeah. Now, what happens to Cat in between this and? And the Dark Knight. Well, how do you think he got those scars? Eh? Yeah, I don't know. That's what I'm saying. We need like a a Better Call Saul uh, prequel series that explores this. Well, that we got to write that. that movie. Can we? Go. Can we get? I, I don't know if the Joker two story is fully completed. Like maybe we can get in touch with uh, who's who directed the first one. Um, uh, Todd Phillips. Yeah, we got to get in touch with Todd Phillips. Pitch this movie. Say ditch the musical because weird. And go yeah. with this one. There I think go. we could do it. Yeah, I'm sure. We got those connections. Uh, so Michael and Cameron go talk to Patrick and let him in on their side of the plan. They set this all up so Cameron could get a bit closer to Bianca. And he says he'll think about it. And Michael tells him that Bogey Lowenstein is having a party. And it's a perfect opportunity to bring Cat. This is all news to Bogey Lowenstein, though, because Michael has created a bunch of flyers for this party as revenge for being shunned by Bogey's group of friends. And Bogey is the weirdest looking high schooler of all time. He's the one scene where he's hitting the golf balls <laughs> and the camera just like stays on him. Yeah, he's like just holding the pose. Yeah, for like so a somebody, solid 10 somebody, seconds. Somebody wrote this movie with John Cryer in mind. Yeah, mm-hmm. for that, oh, that looking good. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Bianca's spending more time with time with joey despite him being a giant doofus but then she and cameron spend some time together as well and he learns some things about cat she doesn't like smokers she likes jared leto ugh oh, i was so surprised that he was even around in 99 well that's yeah. uh, uh my so-called life it's his yeah. breakout um, he's about right. to start he's about to star in urban legends despite his objections <laughs> well he doesn't remember that uh <laughs> it wasn't morbid time yet nope um <laughs> So I, one thing about the flyers, um, I love that they put free beer on there, but yet it seems like everybody brings their own beer when we get to the park. <laughs> it's a good thing too, because Bogey yeah. did not have enough beer, beer for anybody. <laughs> uh, they go back to the house and learn some more things about Cat, her, including her taste in music, the book she reads, and the color of her underwear. Cameron then asks to see Bianca's room, and she gets weirded out, telling him a girl's room is very personal. Cameron and Michael then go to a biker bar to relay the recon they got on Cat, and they tell Patrick that 100% doesn't like smokers, despite how cool Heath Ledger makes smoking look in this movie. And including, and they also tell him, insinuating that 1999 era Heath Ledger isn't a quote unquote pretty guy. They yeah, tell him they that, yeah, right. <laughs> he's, just like, he's easily the best looking person in that like state. Yeah. <laughs> Like he might be, he might be the best looking guy in any movie we've ever covered, right? It's like him, Lance Henriksen in Pumpkinhead, and Sam Elliott in Roadhouse. Roadhouse. <laughs> oh, with, with the ponytails, right? Oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I have to. It, you'd be hard pressed to find a better looking trio of dudes. Yeah, three. So if we're making them out Rushmore, I guess Malibu. <laughs> Malibu. Right. Yeah. Well, who, yeah. Who's who's the uh, the? We got to think of our. 
Or Toxies. Mount Rushmore of hunks. Toxie's on there for sure. <laughs> now you're just being ridiculous. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm Josh. <laughs> uh, they tell him that she's going to be at a concert the next night. And they tell him he needs to go. So he goes to the club, which is full of women, as letters to Cleo perform. And then he takes a seat at the bar. Cat, who is out dancing on the dance floor, heads to the bar to get some waters. Sees Patrick, despite his best efforts to hide his perfect cheekbones and jawline behind his impeccable head of hair. She calls him a stalker, mentions that he's not smoking, and sa- and he says he quit. And then he gets goes close to the stage, saying he's a huge fan of, of the riot girl genre of music. He then accidentally calls her sexy as the music ends, causing him to be as bar- embarrassed as a 1999-era Heath Ledger could possibly be. And he asks her to go to Bogie Lowenstein's party. She doesn't say yes, she doesn't say no, so he says he'll pick her up at 9.30. The night of Bogie's party, Bianca tries to sneak out through the front door with Chastity to go to the party, but her dad catches her easily. He says that she can't go unless Kat goes, and after some pleading by Bianca, Kat relents and says she'll make an appearance. So her dad makes Bianca wear a fake pregnancy belly to make her know the consequences of her actions. So Kat goes to leave and... Okay. Right before that, though, one of the best parts is when he she goes, when he goes, where are you going? And she goes, oh, a small study group. And his response is, oh, an orgy. Yeah. <laughs> Real quick, we got to give Larry uh, Larry Miller his roses because he I loved his character in this. Very quick witted. I love the comebacks. It, it, he plays the concerned father like to a T. It's great. Yeah, he's really good in this. Cat uh, goes to leave, and Patrick is there and ready to take her. And Cat says that she's driving. Meanwhile, Cameron and Michael are getting ready for the party as Cameron talks incessantly about a moment he had with Bianca, and Michael unsurprisingly lets us know that he hasn't been to a party since someone's Chuck E. Cheese party. As a crowd of rowdy teens ascend on Bogie Lowenstein's house, he passes out cigars to his intended guests of a handful of underage sweater vests. Doorbell rings, and it must be Nigel with the Brie! He's half right. (laughs) He's half right, as Mark pointed out on Twitter, but Nigel is followed by a sea of 90s teens that immediately set up a DJ booth and kegs and fill the house with non-cigar smoke. Completely normal. <laughs> yeah. Everybody's just ready parties. to throw down. I'm surprised that like, everybody's just like, who the fuck is Bogie Lowenstein? There's no way he's anything, got cred. Flyer, right? right? You put anything on a flyer, people are just going to show up. Yeah, especially well, if yeah. it's free beer. I'm not, I'm not saying that they wouldn't just be like, oh, well, I'm going to this asshole's party. I'm just like, you know, you would think that someone would be like, I have no idea who this fucking kid is. Maybe that's just me. Well, there's... I think it's again it's like high school kids. There's a chance to get drunk, get laid. Like yeah, you know. Oh, I know uh, Logan. Yeah, I know this guy. And they they would call him the wrong name or whatever. Like yeah, I know him. That's my buddy. Boner so, Lowenstein. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then just have all people from all over the place would come over. Yeah, that's how it usually goes. I know because I've been to so many parties, guys. Yeah. So um, cool. They they used to call him the party king. That's what they called me. As <laughs> uh, so. Cat and Patrick make their way through the party. Cat looking like she can't get away from him fast enough. As she tries to avoid him, she comes across Joey, who makes a huge deal that she's at the party. She then tells him to stay away from her sister. And he says that it'll be more difficult to keep her sister away from him. So Michael unsuccessfully tries to talk to the girls. But you know what? Points for confidence, Michael. Uh, <laughs> Cameron sees Bianca come down the stairs and tries to talk to her. And she tries to pawn off Chastity on him and then winds up walking off with Joey. Later, Bianca and Joey are chatting each other up, and Joey winds up rubbing it in Kat's face. Kat tries to talk to Bianca, and Bianca tells her to act like a normal teen for once. So Kat then immediately starts knocking back shots of tequila. Joey and Bianca go off, and this gives Joey time to show off just how vapid he is. 
Bianca starts to immediately regret hitching her wagon to his star instead of Cameron's. All of a sudden, Bianca is not happy to be at the party, especially when Ka- with Cameron giving her the hangdog look seemingly from every corner of the party. So she wants to leave all of a sudden. Suddenly, Kat is hammered and winds up dancing on a table to Biggie's hypnotize. And this is the scene that got Julia Stiles to roll and save the last dance. And she hits her head on a chandelier and knocks herself out. Patrick catches her and brings her outside away from the crowd. while trying to keep her away, from, uh, keep her from falling asleep. Cameron comes over to Patrick to tell him the plan is over because Bianco wanted Joey and not him. So Patrick gives Cameron some advice on going after what you want and not letting anyone make you feel like you like you don't deserve it and catches Kat before she falls to the floor and brings her to a set of swings. Real quick, I think mm-hmm. that scene is kind of bullshit because Patrick tells Cameron like, oh, you know, Joey's not half the man you are. No. <laughs> Cameron set up this whole elaborate scheme to get a girl. Instead of just, you know, asking her out and doing whatever. So he's not really, he and Joey are pretty much the same exact thing, right? I, I I read his reading of it as that's what he's saying. Really? I always, I yeah, I always had a problem with this this line because I always felt like it sounds like to me he's saying um, what uh, that he he isn't half the man he is. He's, you know, an equal suitor, so he shouldn't feel like that he oh, okay. deserve that he deserves Bianca because he's that because Joey isn't ha- isn't half the man he is. You know what I mean? Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's how I that's how I've read it every time I've watched it. But it is a weird way to say it. Yeah, because I, I took it as like he he's like you're way better than Joey, but you're doing the exact same thing that Joey's doing. But I like right. you more. And no, to me he's to me he's saying that there's no reason like he shouldn't feel like he's got a a right to. Bianca based on Joey. Joey is just as much a suitor, but he shouldn't. He also shouldn't tell. Let him be the guy that you know drops him down a peg. Gotcha. I guess. Okay. Uh, meanwhile, Joey tries to get Bianca to come with him to a friend's house, but she says she has to be home in twenty minutes, so he takes Chastity instead. Then Bianca asks Cameron to give her a ride home. On the drive home, Cat talks about how she should start a band. And then when they get home, she tries to kiss kiss Patrick and he says no. And we stand a consent king. But she gets upset and storms out of her own car. She wanted that Australian, you know what? Uh, The thunder from down under, as I would say. Exactly. (laughs) As Patrick leaves, Cameron and Bianca pull up and he and Cameron gives her a bit of an ear beating over how she was never really into him. And despite pretending to be. Then she shuts him up by kissing him and then all is forgiven, which I was 16 before. I totally get it. The next day at school, the guys in English class can't help but mention Kat's dancing to her as she walks in. Mr. Morgan starts the class and tells him that he wants them to write a version of a Shakespeare sonnet. Kat is so enthused that it freaks out Mr. Morgan and he sends her to the principal's office as a preemptive measure. Cameron and Bianca make eyes at each other in the hall and Michael tries to put the moves on Kat's Shakespeare-obsessed friend by quoting Macbeth and asks her about Kat's feelings for Patrick. On the football field, Cameron and Patrick talk about how pissed off Kat is. Cameron doesn't seem to understand the concept of consent either. And then Michael comes over to tell them that Kat hates Patrick with the power of a thousand sons or something like that. Quick. Yep. In that scene, uh, Cameron says that Bianca kissed him. And mm-hmm. Patrick says, where? Cameron says, the car. He didn't mean the, the setting. He means, where did she kiss you on your body, correct? Yeah, because there's, okay. like, there's like a five second... Five, five to seven second reaction shot of Heath Ledger being like, uh-huh. I don't get it. <laughs> right. All right. I just want to make sure that I'm yeah. on the same level of perviness as Heath Ledger was. Got yes. It. Um, 
Cat later talks about how she's definitely not going to prom and shames her Shakespeare loving friend for even considering it. Not exactly a good feminist there, Cat. Then Joey goes to Bianca, who is in the middle of gym class shooting arrows and asks her to prom. She also shoots the gym teacher in the ass with a butt with an arrow, which I'm surprised they're giving them real arrows in gym class. It's the Uh, 90s, you know, they didn't need to sign waivers. It's kind of, you know, here we go. This was the era of lawn darts, I guess. Yes, extreme lawn darts. (laughs) We had snub-nosed arrows when we did uh, archery in, in high school. Um... She brings up that she can't go if Cat doesn't go, and Joey says he has it handled. So we later see him offer Patrick 200 bucks to take Cat's prom, then ups it to 300 when Patrick starts to show some sort of conscience. And we have emotional montage as we watch Patrick stalk Cat as she's trying out guitars at the music store, and then he stalks her some more at the bookstore. But he tries yeah, to smooth. You know, stalkerish behavior was, was very much in vogue in the 90s, apparently. Uh, stalker, yeah. if you look like Heath Ledger. Yeah, yes. different rules for a guy like Heath Ledger. Yes. You look like David Completely different. Yeah. I don't recommend anyone trying that, by the way. So What'd you say? I, I don't recommend anyone trying that, by the way. Stalking people. Even if you look really good, just don't do it. Right? That, I, I think we should just throw that out there. I think this is an anti-stalking podcast, I think. Yeah. I don't think we've ever come out and officially have said it. So this is probably a good time as any to say that we're anti-stalking. Just got to make sure everybody knows. Yeah. Couldn't hurt. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's the official statement of (laughs) they call this movie. Um, But he tries to smooth things out with her, but she rebuffs him and walks out of the bookstore. But back at the school, Cameron tells Patrick that he needs to even the score by embarrassing himself in front of the school. Patrick pays off the AV club to gain access to football field PA system and sings Can't Take My Eyes Off You to Cat as she has soccer practice with the help of the school band. This is obviously the most iconic scene of the movie. And eventually, he's apprehended by the school security guards and taken to detention, which is being run by soccer coach David Leisure, who scares a stoner into giving him his weed and then confiscates some Cheetos for good measure. I didn't understand that as a kid, but I, I get it now. You get it now, right? I get it now, yeah. It took quite a long time, but right. I, I get the correlation. So gotcha. better late than never. Mm-hmm. I'm not 100% confident you get the correlation. The way you're saying it just makes well, me skeptical. Well, it's because he likes Cheetos. That, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah. I, I thought it was he was confiscating it because you're not supposed to eat in detention. But now I know he, 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 he was going to eat them. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> you're, you're right. I don't, I'm, I'm mistaken. <laughs> Cat comes into detention to talk to, quote unquote, the coach. But what she's really doing is creating a distraction in order to sneak Patrick out through the window. And her plan is just to flash David Leisure. Cat, non-zero chance of being 17 based on how cutoff dates work. Uh, so Cat and Pat. Long get, look. Oh, yeah. He is not shy. He's got to report this immediately to the school, though. Right? <laughs> he has witnesses that this has happened. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Cat and Patrick go paddleboarding, and they have a heart-to-heart about why they are the way they are. And they go paintballing and then make out in a pile of hay. Which I is seen... technically paintballing. Like they it's just, just, it's like paintballing with like water balloons with paint in them, yeah. which actually seems more fun. Yeah, I don't know. I, doesn't like seem it, like it would hurt much. Yeah, it's, it also also seems like it won't attract that that group, that certain paintballing people that just have their own gear. You know, I I just kept thinking in that scene. Thank God I don't have hair because I would have been furious if <laughs> someone splattered paint in my hair. Right. Yeah. I guess that's a thing that these two. 
I had to worry about. Both have incredible heads of hair. I do, and I was very jealous of it. <laughs> um, and then they go back to Kat's house, and they start talking to each other about the rumors surrounding them, debunking them as they go along. And Patrick tries to get Kat to go to prom with him, but he pushes too hard, and she realizes that something must be up. He, he gets he frustrated. Is, he is the absolute worst liar. <laughs> he gets frustrated, and she gets mad, and she storms off. Meanwhile, during their French lesson, Bianca gets mad about the fact that Cameron hasn't asked her to prom yet, and she storms off. Everybody's mad. Except for Shakespeare Girl, because then she gets a Renaissance dress and a request to attend the prom from a mystery suitor. And Bianca then tries to convince her dad to let her go to prom, even though Kat doesn't have a date. He's not having it, especially because he doesn't like Joey. Later, while Bianca is in her room, Kat comes in to tell Bianca her history with Joey. They went out for a month in ninth grade. He had sex once and dumped her when she said she didn't want to again. Kind of also sounds like he coerced her into sex. Um, to the advantage of a grieving girlfriend. Yeah. Yeah. And she said she never do anything. She said she would never do anything again just because everyone else was. And Bianca gets mad that Kat never told her and how she's basically been an accessory to her father never allowing Bianca to experience anything. Then we have sad music moment when Kat sees Bianca sitting in a tire swing. Next night, Kat waltzes out of the house to go to the prom. Bianca follows behind as Cameron comes to the door to take her to prom. And then at the prom, Save Ferris performs Shout as everyone shows up. Cat shows up and runs into Patrick, and she apologizes to him for thinking he was up to something, and he forgives her. <laughs> <laughs> that That's supposed to be the scene where Patrick's like, oh, Cat, I need to tell you something. Yeah. And like someone comes in like, oh, Cat, I need to see you, or I need to talk to you right now, and he doesn't get the chance to explain himself. Yeah. Just total, total douche move by, by Patrick. <laughs> Uh, meanwhile, Joey shows up to the Stratford house to pick up Bianca, and the, do- do- the dad slams the door in his face. Um, back at the prom, Bianca and Cameron dance, Patrick and Kat dance, and Shakespeare friend finds out that Michael is her secret suitor. And they're excited, and they dance. And then letters cl- to Cleo show up and sing, because apparently Patrick knows the band. In the bathroom at the prom, Bianca runs into Chastity, who came with Joey, and tells Bianca Joey had a bet with his friends about nailing Bianca that night. Yeah, I would take it as Letters to Cleo being there was more so he knew the people at that bar, at that Bartender, club. right? Yeah, yeah, more than knew the band. He's a people person. He makes friends. Yeah, yeah. again, yeah. good looking. It's not hard. Sure, That's true. <laughs> and, and also in, in this scene, Ant, where uh, Gabrielle Union Chastity, right? Mm-hmm. She, she kind of like rubs uh, Bianca's nose in that she's there with Joey. Like, oh, yeah, he was just going to try to nail you. What do you think Joe's going to try to do to you? Well, she'd probably be down for it, which is kind of insinuating. Okay. Yeah. Gabrielle Union's DTF'd in this. She does not live up to her name, Chastity. Yeah, okay. I was like, well, that's what he's going to do to you now. So why are you making fun of, uh, why are you making fun of Bianca? If anything, it's worse for you because you're, you're giving it up real quick, right? Like, they have to, they had to do like this whole fucking concoction, you know, to get Bianca to even have a chance to do this. So you're you're just throwing it all willy-nilly. Mm-hmm. Certainly a heel turn from Chastity in this movie, I suppose. Yeah, and kind of, I don't think it was warranted, right? Yeah, probably not. Especially like your only lead that's a person of color. Being, being yeah. a bitch at the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for no, for no reason. Because it's never shown that Bianca like throws any shade at Chastity. They're, they're like too, you know, not stupid, but 
they're just, you know, kind of airheads a little bit, just talking about their Prada bags. And can you be whelmed or underwhelmed? Yeah, so they're very no, va- vapid. Very vapid, yes. But there's no, like, Bianca is shutting down Chastity, like Kat is shutting down uh, Susan May Pratt's character, right? Right. That she does make, she does make her feel bad. She does make her feel bad for not having a Prada backpack, though. Does she? I guess yeah. so, yeah. Well, you don't even have one. Uh, okay. Yeah, I can see where that would be, like, high school, you know, I guess, fighting words. That was Chastity's villain origin story. She didn't forget that. She's like, this oh. Bitch. You're gonna show her. I'm going to fuck your boyfriend. <laughs> I don't need a Prada backpack. <laughs> uh, then, uh, on the dance floor, Patrick tells Kat that the past year he was in Milwaukee caring for his sick grandfather. And then Joey comes up and tells him that the deal is off because Bianca is with Cameron. He says that he was paying Patrick with an earshot of Kat, who obviously is not a fan of hearing that, and she storms off. I, I think the one thing missing in this prom scene is a coordinated dance routine that they all learned in gym class. Look, if you're going to try and quote Never Been Kissed, um, it's not going to work on me because I don't really know that movie that well. It's also in She's All That as well. It's It might I, be the only movie from this era that doesn't have that. Uh, I don't think it's a Never Been Kissed. I was making a joke that I can never remember okay. the name of. The, okay, got it. Sorry. The I, Freddie I, Fringe Jr. movie. All right. Okay. Three, two, one. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I'm not going to edit this. Are you kidding? What kind of time do you think I have on my hands? (laughs) Then Joey comes across Michael and Cameron on the dance floor. And Joey says that he's going to make Cameron and that little bitch of his pay. So Cameron gets in Joey's face and immediately gets punched in the face. But then Bianca comes up behind Joey, gives him a sucker punch to the nose then another punch to the face and then kick in the dick. Meanwhile, Patrick chases after Kat trying to explain himself. He didn't care about the money, but he certainly pocketed it. But she's not hearing it. And even after he tries to desperation kiss her. Because that's what a woman wants. That usually solves everything in my relationship. (laughs) It's going to plant a good old kiss on you. That'll shut you up. (laughs) That'll shut her up. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, this is kind of nice. (laughs) That weekend, I guess, Cameron comes to pick up Bianca to go sailing. Bianca thanks Kat for going to the prom. Even though it was a terrible experience for everybody involved. (laughs) Yeah, no one had fun, right? Right. Cat didn't have fun, certainly. Patrick certainly didn't have fun. Joey got punched in the face. Cameron got punched in the face. Michael had a good time. And his girl had a good time. Yeah. 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 They probably had a good time, but he got pushed to the ground. I'm sure he was embarrassed by that. But overall, it was a win. Yeah. I'd say chalk that up as a a, a W from Michael. That's a W from Michael, yeah. yeah. Um, Then Bianca and Cameron leave, and then Cat's dad tells her that he's going to let her go to Sarah Lawrence. And at school the next week, Kat reads her poem to class entitled 10 Things I Hate About You. That's the name of the movie. Hey. And she gets really emotional as she recites it to Pat, as she recites it right at Patrick, then runs out of the class crying. At the end of the day, she goes to her car and finds a Fender Stratocaster guitar just sitting there with her car with the windows open. And Patrick insinuates that he used the money Joey paid him to buy it for her. And then they make out. And Letters to Cleo closes out with a performance on the roof of the school. I guess Patrick called in another favor. And then some bloopers, which are still only funny to the people that made the movie. Oh, God, the worst bloopers I've ever seen. <laughs> also, I, think, I think the one that made me chuckle was the Alice and Janney one, because they obviously did that just to throw them off sure. when they came around the corner. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
And also because she should have been in the movie. As we she should. You know, I'm not going to argue more more Alice and Janney always. Also, the movie ends on a very bad note where, hey, I I did something underhanded, lied to you about it, but then I just bought your love. So, hey, you know, there you go, kids. If you've done something wrong, just buy an expensive thing for your uh, significant other and all will be forgiven. Look, if you're Heath Ledger, you get away with it. Exactly. Heath. Heath Ledger's playing with his own rules, you know? <laughs> all right. Well, that's still... He, oh, he drops that really accent, it's all, it's all good. Yeah. Like, I'm surprised he, it wasn't just that, really. Like, you know, my Australian accent, boom, sounds <laughs> like butter. I mean, yeah. that's what he did. He did as the Joker. I mean, he's got all these people he's killing off left and right. Did his teeth? He's like, oh, okay, cool. But, but I'm so really handsome. Happened. <laughs> you know what really happened? He dropped the rock star line up. Told her, I like to eat a lot of pussy. <laughs> <laughs> he did it with the Australian and not an English accent. Right. Boom. Yeah. That was it. She was like, okay. Once again, pointing out, you know, you know, kind of letterbox things. She wouldn't have been taking a guy to that uh, prom. So it's kind of like the really when you look at it, it's like the opposite of what Top Gun was. <laughs> good point good yeah. point yeah and, and plus like like you're saying you know she's she's feminist she's a big feminist so that would be that'd be big if that that he dropped that line on her like well okay well he's going down on me instead of the other way around so this is a win for for us much like and much like mark mark Wahlberg, he's a he's a good looking guy so he can get away with it oh, he got sure. away with it quite a lot <laughs> yeah yeah uh real quick do you think uh heath ledger would have let 9-11 happen if he was on the plane <laughs> <laughs> not on his watch not, could, no. not yeah. on his watch never no he would have probably, probably asked them how do you think i got these scars and that would have been it oh, <laughs> that's a that's an even better origin story <laughs> or just smiled at them you know right <laughs> i'm not just to pretend to do a australian accent but i would assume it would be something along the, like can't we all just get along kind of thing and then flash that smile i was in the patriot i love that movie <laughs> there we just sits back down yeah. <laughs> it's off guys we're, we're never mind guys <laughs> won't have to remember this day and this kind of scares me because i'm i have a feeling that this is going to be the snippet that's used for, <laughs> for social media so like, they're, they're making 9-11 jokes this is i don't know about this but... is it too soon <laughs> 21 years say... ago <laughs> i wouldn't say it was necessarily a joke it's more of an antidote yeah, yeah. Uh, we were exploring where Heath Ledger possibly could have saved the day. Also, we're also discovering for research for a possible Joker movie where he really got the scars from. That could be the actual real "Why So Serious." Sure, box this cutters the guys on the, on the plane. plane, and "Why So Serious." And then he the cuts himself with the box cutters. Boom. Yeah, that, that's the multiverse I want to live in, where Heath Ledger saves us from 9/11, and we get the Joker origin story. That that's how he got the scars. That's exactly. where I want to live. So I is the Joker true. is the Joker actually Heath Ledger? Yes. Absolutely. Oh yeah, of right. course. Yeah. <laughs> it's real, damn it. It's real. And, the whole time. The whole time he, it was real. And he murders Julia Stiles. Oh, yes, yeah, because like because going forward from this movie, that's what had to happen. Right. Yeah. That's the, that's the eleven things I hate about you. Yeah. <laughs> you ever that. Although I I would say the scars maybe came from her mother if we made eleven things I hate about you. Her oh, mother sure. comes back and we find out she's a complete psychopath. That's why <gasps> right. she left. Oh. All right. So he's I mean this story could get deep. Yeah. yeah. But she still dies and then he loses it. Boom. Right. Over the edge. <laughs> I like it. And he I just like wants it. to see the world burn. Yep. Goes that goes complete killing joke. Oh, okay. So he doesn't kill Julia Stiles. The mother kills Julia Stiles. Well, yes, yes. And, and causes the scars. This Guys. is after he saved the world from 9-11. Right. Guys, 
stop digging. <laughs> and all after he became a megastar in a Knight's Tale. So he That's never right. actually died. He never actually died. He just became the Joker. Yes. Right. And he, well, but he went back in time first to do nice tip. Because, you know, yeah. you got to keep this. You got to keep nice well, you know. Yeah. And that's, where you, that, that's where it jumps off from Flashpoint. There you go. So the most important, <laughs> the most important movie of all time we have just discovered is 10 Things I Hate About You. Because this is how Heath Ledger can change the world. Mm. Yeah. But this is the world we would have been still living in if it wasn't for the Mandela effect. That's a good point. We fired up the Hadron Collider, and then we collapsed. <laughs> we had an incursion with another universe. That's why we have the Mandela effect. So somewhere where the real universe that was saved by Heath Ledger is really it. So maybe I'm just remembering what really happened in a different universe. God. I, maybe, I like to give another universe a shot. Oh, <laughs> why not? Or, or maybe. Can't, we, can't, we can't get any worse. It can't be worse. <laughs> It's got to be the darkest timeline, right? We're all like, decided this is it. Yeah. yeah the incursion here is the darkest timeline. I was going to say real quick. What if because Heath Ledger saved us from 9-11, Mark Wahlberg is jealous that he couldn't tell us that he was going to save us from 9-11, murders Julia Stiles, and gives uh, Heath Ledger the scars. Now he becomes the Joker. Right? <laughs> But that yeah. doesn't fit the eleven things I hate about it. But that, mm. but then, but here's the thing: maybe it's it wasn't the maybe the real world Mark Wahlberg in that universe was the Mark Wahlberg from Fear, Ooh. and maybe Ooh. he had something going on in his mind with Julia Stiles. So he's like, "Open the door." And what Just if the, what if the real nine eleven was the friends we made along the way? You know, that's yeah. really close <laughs> right, guys. <laughs> uh, I think we talked to death ten things I hate about you and its sequel. <laughs> 11 things I hate about you. So, uh, guys, why? Nine eleven things I hate about you. Yeah, uh, I there like it. it. <laughs> I like it. Nine eleven things I hate about you. Yeah, I'm sure like we can it. get that movie funded. <laughs> if, if, if we need some, we just need one fan to give us two million dollars, and we can make that movie. Yes, it'll be pretty great. We'll just have to resurrect Heath Ledger too. I feel like that's a, something that we would have to wind up doing. Yeah. Well, we could deep fake it. It's true. Ooh. Yeah. There are no rules to that anymore. Else. You hire somebody else to play Heath Ledger. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And then he'll Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yo, come full circle. I like that. And he would circle. do it, right? Because we would. he would owe his friend. That's, well, you guilt him into it. Exactly. That's what, what happens. You guilt him. I mean, I understand that it sounds a little mean to guilt somebody into it, but you guilt him into it. <laughs> For this kind of project, that you, you pull out all the stops. Or what you do is you is you go, okay, this, there's opportunities to move up. Joseph Gordon-Levitt, you become Patrick in honor of your friend, and then we move uh, David uh, Krumholtz up to being <laughs> the Cameron spot. And then, as you projected earlier, we get Ben Shapiro just to play the Michael spot <laughs> so he can live out his destiny, and we can put in yeah. a whole bunch of jokes about how he can't make any woman wet. I was just saying, <laughs> having a giant dick drawn on his face. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, of course. could let's be honest. One thing that comes out of that is we can all agree that we could see Ben Shapiro with a dick drawn on his face <laughs> in high school. I'm it's sure it happened. It's it's definitely yes. happened. But as a person who, who would be willing to write this script and me, if we could get this done, I will say this. <laughs> I would take immense pleasure in writing you can't get any girl wet jokes just for that character. <laughs> I, uh, I, I'm sorry. That's what was written on the script, man. I mean, you got you to say it. You, they got to do it, unfortunately. No ad lib in here. There's no ad lib, and you got to say what it says here. And I'm sure because of uh, his battle, uh, you know, we probably can we can probably get wet ass pussy. The song, so <laughs> yeah. we get wop out there. Gonna sure open it all. Cheap. Instead of Biggie, we go Carly B. Yeah, Cardi B. I'm sure because she'll be like, yeah, just as long as you rub it into that motherfucker, let's go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm afraid yeah. that we're we're moving away from 
uh, the successor for 10 Things I Hate About You into just a, a, a smear campaign <laughs> against Whoa. No, no, we we are no. It's still the the uh, the tentatively titled nine eleven things about you. I hate about you, uh, because if you think about it, the Michael character definitely would grow up to be Ben Shapiro. Yeah, yeah. so we'd have to change the name to like Michael Shapiro. But whatever, they don't give us really like if you look at the credits, they don't credit him with the last name. I don't think. Oh Ackman. no, I'm sorry, Michael Ekman. I think yeah. still be Michael Ekman played by Ben Shapiro. Yeah, I like it. I think so. We're still there because that character has to grow up. Mm-hmm. Good point. And then Andrew Keegan can just play himself pretty much. He can still be Joey, but he can just play the sex lord of some cult. Joey one hundred percent grows up to run a sex cult. I won't even. We won't even write lines for him. We'll just say whatever you say in real life. Just go, go with. You're, you're, the, you're the one who can ad lib. Just talk. And yeah, Andrew Keegan's uh, Joey. His character has taken over the paintball area. <laughs> that is now their sex cult area. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I'm go. thinking for his cult there. I don't know about real life, but I'm thinking Midsummer, dressed like that. <laughs> I'm not yeah. saying doing the same things, but I'm thinking that kind of dress, sex cult. Uh, we have to be careful about you know trying you know because I'm sure the, the the fine Nexium people would probably try to sue us if we use their exact tattoo. So we'll have to come up with our own, but that's okay. Yeah, we just gotta find a place to put Alice and Janney. And she could be the Alice and Mac in this situation. Yeah. There you go. She is the she is he is the male leader of the cult, and she is the female leader. Makes perfect fucking sense. Like, I like this movie. I'm I'm glad to be a part of it. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about where we could find you again? Uh, very simple. If you want to find out everything going on with the ODPH, swing on over to odphpodcast.com. All our social media links are there. The directory, which has all our links for every single podcast provider that we're on, so it's easy to follow, subscribe, and uh, stay in contact with us. Uh, T Public Store, Parlay Points blog section. We're all, there's always something new coming out for everything and anything. This is the ODPH. You can find it at odphpodcast.com. And for me, it's easy, 8122productions.com. Everything is there as well. Uh, social media links, of course, it's just three fat nerds pod throwing that in front of it if you have to, but it's all, all those are there. T Public link, Patreon link, Twitch channel link, uh, all sorts of crazy stuff. Link to the ODPH podcast podcast.com and vice versa yep. so if you go to one you can just come over to the other i'm sure there's other plugs on there for me as well and just like there is for ken so yeah, either way you find one of us you found both yes great no thank you guys for so much for coming on nice. thank week. you for having us it's on a lot of fun. it's been a blast yeah talking about 10 things i hated about you and it's sequel um yeah so that's gonna wrap this up this episode up check us out on, on our socials if you're listening to us you probably know what they are so just check them out uh, we'll be back next week with a brand new episode. But this week was 10 Things I Hate About You from 1999, directed by Gil Younger. So for Dan Aquino, Mark Myers, Ken and Rich, this is Anthony Del Vecchio telling Gil Younger, well, you certainly made a movie, didn't you? Thanks for listening to They Called Us a Movie. Subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts and be sure to check us out on Twitter and Instagram at TicTampod. That's T-C-T-A-M-Pod. You can also check us out on TikTok at They Called Us a Movie. 